Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023. Professor Jeffrey Sachs is with us. Does Prime Minister Netanyahu have an off-ramp? Will the United States government confiscate and sell Russian assets that it has seized because Congress refuses to allocate more funds for the Ukraine war? Is the United States really the essential nation? All that after this. Can you believe the chaos confronting Americans today? The government is out of control. Debt is out of control. And have you heard? The dollar is under attack. This will soon be replaced by digital currency. No more paper cash. It's coming fast. So you need to get educated in other ways to protect and preserve the wealth you already have. What happens if the government destroys the United States dollar? I don't know. But I do know they can't destroy gold or silver or the value of it. That's why it's so important that you learn now how to transfer your wealth into gold and silver. So educate yourself about investing in precious metals. Take charge of your retirement with gold-backed IRAs and And you can transfer a portion of your existing IRAs tax and penalty free. So don't procrastinate. Take control. Do the right thing for you and your family. Go to LearJudgeNap.com or call 800-511-4620. Professor Sachs, welcome, um, my dear friend. Does uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu have an off-ramp? Can he keep up? the level of uh, ferocity before the international community uh, steps in, so long as he has the support of an overwhelming majority of the Israeli public? I think there are two issues uh, here. He has an agenda. The agenda is uh, not merely Israel's security, if I merely uh, in quotation marks, Uh, It is greater Israel. And what that means in the political jargon is that Netanyahu and his government want Israeli control uh, permanently over all of uh, Palestine, uh, that is the West Bank and Gaza, as well as uh, today's Israel. In other words, they have a political agenda that they are fighting for. That political agenda is contrary to international law. Uh, contrary to uh, uh, repeated uh, UN Security Council and UN General Assembly resolutions, contrary uh, ostensibly to U.S. public policy, uh, as uh, Biden kind of mumbles it uh, 
each day that the U.S. Uh, insists on a two-state solution. So Netanyahu is fighting a, a war for a political outcome that is against uh, the international uh, will uh, of almost every country in the world uh, and against uh, international law. Now, uh, can he do that? Uh, he can do that up to the moment when the United States uh, says uh, enough. Um, and probably the U.S. is getting close to that, not out of uh, any great uh, revelation of uh, justice or international law, but because this is very bad politics for the U.S., bad politics uh, diplomatically when almost the entire world is now on the other side. Uh, and bad politics uh, domestically because the American public does not support Israel in this uh, uh, cruelty, uh, in the war crimes, uh, or in the intention of uh, dominating uh, the entire region. So th this is uh, why Netanyahu's uh, war, I think, will be short-lived, could be extraordinarily damaging. Uh, it could still provoke, as I think the Israeli government wants, a wider war in the Middle East, in which case what I've just said would not be correct because things could spin out of control. But uh, I think that uh, what should happen, the United States should say today, no, uh, we don't support you in a war for that purpose, period. Uh, and what I think is likely to happen is that it will get shut down fairly quickly. Do you think that uh, Joe Biden can overcome the pressures of domestic politics uh, and the influence of the Israeli lobby on the U.S. Congress uh, and and say that to him? I mean, he could have said that two weeks ago. He could say it this afternoon. He could stop the war while this show is on if he wanted to with a phone call. As, as always, Judge, uh, American politics means two different things. Uh, one, it means public opinion. And the second, uh, it means uh, powerful lobbies. When it comes to public opinion, Biden does not have the American public support. Quite the contrary. Uh, he is losing the public support. Young people especially are aghast at what Israel is doing. But it's not just young people. The American public as a whole has said strongly in opinion survey after opinion survey that they want peace, they want Israel to stop what it's doing, uh, that they don't want the United States to be abetting this. Then there is the powerful APEC lobby, the Israel lobby. Of course, it is pretty unrelenting. Um, but in an election year, it's not all powerful. Uh, and I'm sure that the White House is shocked at how they've lost the public support because they don't understand public opinion anyway. Uh, and they certainly miscalculated about the opinions of people under the age of 35 and especially under the age of 25, but uh, a very significant proportion of the electorate. And this is an election year and Biden is losing electoral support. So that has to loom large. But in addition, we have one vote after another whether it's in the UN Security Council of 13 to 1 to 1, where the U.S. stands alone in its veto, or whether it's in the UN General Assembly, the recent vote, 153 countries 
with 89% of the world's population voting for an immediate ceasefire, and the United States on the other side with 10 countries of 5% of the world population, of which were 4%, and the other nine countries representing less than 1% of the world population. So we're alone in this. Can, can the IDF defeat Hamas or... And I don't, I don't want to box you into either or, but I'm just yeah. thinking out loud. Is Hamas an idea that cannot be eradicated? The idea that can't be eradicated is the idea of Palestine's political rights, whether it is two states, as the world community has repeatedly voted, including the United States, for uh, 57 years since the so-called Six-Day War in June 1967, or one state, which is a one uh, secular, uh, ostensibly democratic state, which would have a majority of Palestinians in it. Uh, and uh, Hamas, whatever version of that state, maybe it doesn't want a democratic state, who knows, but it wants one state that is Palestine. What cannot be eradicated is Palestinian political rights. Uh, and uh, as much as the Israelis uh, attack and bomb and displace uh, two million people and uh, kill thousands or tens of thousands of people in Gaza, uh, there will be millions of Palestinians demanding political rights, and there will be a vast majority of world opinion also backing them in that demand. Here's um, a person whose image you will recognize. Uh, this is from uh, 2013, predicting with a remarkable clarity just what we're seeing today. Netanyahu now, I believe, has decided unequivocally to move to a one-state solution, which every one of his predecessors in the prime ministership have condemned as a disaster for Israel. And I think Israel is now moving toward a disaster for itself and insisting that all the way from the Jordan River to the, to the Mediterranean Sea has to be Israeli-controlled. That is a mistake. How, how prescient uh, right, and how, right. how, how decent uh, uh, President Carter was uh, on this issue all along. Uh, a, and how a, things don't change. Well, I mean, Net, it's, almost, it's, it's almost as if he's 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 not in the physical condition that he's in, and he's talking about what happened yesterday. No, this is exactly correct. And uh, Netanyahu has been on this line, and and uh, anyone that watches this uh, has known that Israel, uh, in this uh, current dispensation of an extreme right wing government, is out to do anything possible to stop peace based on two states. And we are arming that hour by hour for mass killing. So we're complicit in the war crimes. And for what? For something that is absolutely antithetical to peace and antithetical to international law. We're really in a terrible state of affairs of complete dishonesty of our own policy in the United States because we're supporting the unsupportable. Here is um, the Israeli ambassador to the United Kingdom. Now, it, it's a difficult uh, 
interview to watch because they keep cutting each other off. Candidly, even though I disagree with what she's saying, the interviewer is cutting her off more than she's cutting him. But you'll you'll get the picture. You need to do solution. Is there still a chance for a two-state solution? I think it's about time for the world to realize the Oslo paradigm failed on the 7th of October and we need to build a new one. And in order to build a new one... But does that new one include the Palestinians living in a state of their own? Is is that what it includes? I think the biggest question is what type of Palestinians are on the other side? This is what Israel realized on the 7th of October. The answer is absolutely no, and I'll tell you why. Well, then because how can there the be moment, peace? In, no, how can I'll there be peace you, in The reason there is no peace Israel. is because the Palestinians... How can, without offering Mark, a state to Palestine, how Mark, can there be peace in Israel? Israel knows today, and the world should know now, the reason the Oslo Accords failed is because the Palestinians never wanted to have a state next to Israel. They want to have a state from the river to the sea. So the two-state so solution the, is dead. Why are you obsessed with a formula that never worked, that created this radical people in the other side? Why are you obsessed with that? Man, is that the attitude of the Netanyahu government about the rights of the uh, Palestinian people to live peacefully in, in their own sovereign state? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, explicitly, one just has to look at the government, what it says, and the party platforms of Netanyahu's Likud uh, or uh, Otsma Yehudit, uh, which is another extreme right-wing party represented in the government. Listen to uh, the Israeli finance minister, uh, Bezalel Smotrich, who uh, uh, even called himself a fascist at one point and uh, stood in front of a map recently that people can find uh, online where he spoke in front of a map showing Israel from the river to the sea, the idea of greater Israel, or listen to the uh, defense minister, Gallant, or the interior minister, Ben Gavir. These are are right-wing extremists that don't hide what they're doing. We just don't want to listen, but they don't hide what they're doing. They want complete control over millions of people or preferably for some of them. And I think what they're trying to implement right now, ethnic cleansing, so that those people don't live there anymore. I know you are you are an economist and a historian, not a military person. But is there any conceivable military benefit to the IDF? to bombing and destroying a Gazan cemetery. 
or is that just to wreak havoc on the memory of those who died and were peacefully buried there? What we know is that Israel is bombing schools, clinics, hospitals, residential structures, people in open flight. They're killing massively. And this uh, tragedy of uh, three hostages escaping and then being killed by uh, Israeli forces is basically a reflection of a simple point. They're shooting to kill anyone. Does the Israeli public understand that that's the policy of their government? Shoot to kill anyone? Even bare-chested, barefoot uh, young men carrying a white flag and begging for help and mercy in Hebrew? Yes. uh, Basically, the Israeli public has uh, backed this government, according to the opinion surveys, up until this incident, and this is the first time there are protests, you know, the Israeli public is uh, in a kind of a post-traumatic syndrome right now after October 7, and they're fed uh, despicable uh, language by the government. Um, so this is not the case of the government acting uh, as a renegade force. It's a government that's committing massive war crimes and uh, that is uh, stoking the public hatred. After 9-11, you know, in our country, it was possible to stoke the public to go to war just about anywhere, even when it was transparently clear, at least to me, <laughs> that the war was on uh, in Iraq was on completely phony pretexts or uh, the, the uh, attempt to overthrow the Syrian government or the Libyan government were on phony pretexts in 2011. But the publics can be manipulated uh, by uh, governments that have agendas. Uh, and this Netanyahu government is filled with extremists with a very clear political agenda. And I always urge when we talk about Ukraine or when we talk about Gaza, I always go back to one of the most famous lines in the theory of war by Karl von Clausewitz, who was the German war theorist after the Napoleonic Wars who wrote the famous volume On War in 1832. And he said something completely right, completely memorable, and crucial for everybody listening to understand. Von Clausewitz famously said that war is the continuation of politics with other means. When you see war, understand politics. And this is politics. The politics here is the politics of greater Israel. What does that mean? It's a longstanding doctrine for extreme religious zealots and for some others that God gave the uh, Israelites all the land, by the way, not only from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, but if you look at the book of Joshua, from the Nile to the Euphrates, it's even more frightening. It's even more frightening. Now, there are people in Israel, in government, who believe that? Who believe that, or who follow that. Whatever they believe, they follow that. So Mm -hmm. this is about politics. And the politics is that this is absolutely horrendous. It's a complete barrier to any peace. And the United States 
because of APEC lobby or because of mistrained politicians, uh, because of ignorance or confusion, are completely complicit in it, not just in votes in the UN, I want to emphasize repeatedly, but in providing daily the munitions for the war. We are completely hourly complicit in it. And when Lloyd Austin or Jake Sullivan say, oh, you know, you have to be more careful. They're feeding the bombs by the hour. And we have the story today in the New York Times that these are dumb bombs. Well, America's feeding these bombs that are destroying civilian populations. And people should think about how Israel has displaced 2 million people in, in this very short period of time. It's actually right. a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears. Um, last week, uh, President Zelensky uh, came to the United States uh, asking for money, and it did not go well for him. The Republicans in the House of Representatives didn't even want to hear him. He did speak unofficially to a caucus of most senators, some of them left. It doesn't appear as though uh, President Biden's 60 or $68 billion for Ukraine is going to come to pass, even, even with the other compromises that certain factions in the Republican Party uh, are demanding. Over the weekend, the Financial Times uh, led with a story that Great Britain and the United States are thinking of confiscating the frozen Russian assets, which comes to about $300 billion. These are not government assets. These are assets of companies and individuals that uh, Joe Biden and Rishi Sunak and his predecessor, I forget which one, uh, seized. The governments are thinking of confiscating them, selling them, and uh, providing most of the proceeds to President Zelensky. How bad would that be? Well, first, let me say something uh, about uh, this uh, $61 billion request. Not only is it uh, a colossal waste of money, because actually $61 billion isn't exactly chump change, but it's completely devastating for Ukraine as well, because what it is is saying to Ukraine, continue to be cannon fodder for a few more months, continue to die tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands more, because we'll continue to pumping the money for you to run to the front lines and be killed. Right. That's what this is. So this is nothing in the interest of the Ukrainian people, period. And it's nothing in the interest of the United States. And the solution to this war, to have avoided it in the first place, to have ended it in March 2022, and to end it today, is for Biden to pick up the phone and talk to Putin and say, NATO's not going to enlarge. We need to stop this fighting, period. And this is what should have been said all along. This he's again, not going to do it. He's I know he's not. So now, now coming to your question, I just want to make sure that, I mean, I want to do whatever I can to make sure is the way I should say that, that when Congress reconvenes and they try again and again to get us to spend more money, it's for nothing. It's a disaster. Tell your congressmen and senators, stop this already. It's not saving Ukraine, quite the contrary. It's getting Ukraine destroyed. It's not saving us. It's no security for us. It is the vanity of Biden not to have negotiated 
all along and to have avoided this war or to have stayed out of the way when Ukraine and Russia were going to end it in April 2022 on the basis of Ukraine's neutrality. And then we stepped in and said, no, you don't. You keep fighting. So this is the first point. Now, confiscating the the, the money, by the way, the $300 billion largely is Russian government assets in uh, euro bonds and European securities held uh, uh, heavily by uh, a Belgian entity, which is a, a depository institution. Okay, it's completely illegal. <laughs> There's no way to do this legally. It's completely reckless. If the U.S. wants to uh, totally break the international law, international finance, and uh, do what it wants, the consequences of that kind of lawlessness will be extremely great for the U.S., for the dollar, for the international system, but it's against the law what's being talked about. Of course, these are desperate politicians and not very bright politicians, so they're, they're constantly asking uh, the technocrats, can't you do it this way? Can't you do it that way? They don't want it. They can't get it through a vote to actually provide funds because the public doesn't want it. And even a, a Congress that normally goes along with funding military things knows that this is, uh, <laughs> this is a, uh, ridiculous. So they're going to try to do it illegally. States have immunity in their assets. You can't just do this. Of course, they may try to do it, but it would be completely reckless. It would open the United States up to so many charges, lawsuits, counter uh, actions, and so forth. I hope they figure this out. They haven't figured out much so far, but I hope they figure this one out. What do you think Joe Biden is talking about when he says the United States is the essential nation? Is this I a, think he, a, I, a, I think a, that, a Cold War era mentality? that we will liberate Eastern Europe, which of course has already been liberated? I think Joe Biden lives in the past, of not hugely surprisingly. Uh, these are words uh, out of the 1990s, which were uh, inappropriate then. They were the kind of uh, vainglory of the United States at the end of the Cold War. We won, you lost. We are the indispensable power. This is uh, These are words of Madeleine Albright, who was the Secretary of State that was uh, one of the first neocons uh, that pushed NATO enlargement and pushed a lot of other mischief that uh, has uh, put us into the trouble that we're in right now. Biden's been part of that group from the 1990s onward. Uh, I don't think he's got exactly his finger on the pulse of reality these days uh, in, in uh, public opinion, public understanding, international law, negotiations, ways to uh, solve these crises. But what he is saying is words out of the 1990s, almost verbatim uh, or sometimes verbatim, and they make no sense uh, in uh, our current period. I, they made no sense to me back in the 1990s, by the way. I thought it was a lot of uh, bluster that would uh, go badly wrong then. But today, it's absurd. Joe Biden says the whole world looks to us for our leadership. And then we find that 1%, not quite 1% of the, the world's population votes with us in the UN, 1%. We have nine other small countries voting with us. And 
90% or nearly 90% of the world population voting against us. And Biden says, oh, we are the indispensable country that the whole world is looking to for leadership. Is the whole world looking to us for leadership in the Security Council when the vote is 13 to 1 with one abstention? No. The rest of the world is looking at us and saying, what happened to the United States? Where is the sense? Where is the diplomacy? Where is any kind of cooperation? That's what the world is asking. How do I know? Because that's what I'm told all the time by leaders who are asking me those questions. Professor Sachs, thank you very much. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your vision. Uh, I know next week is a sort of a holiday week, but maybe you'll come back and visit with us one more time uh, in 2023. All the best. All right. Very good. Good to be with you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.